Harry, I have no idea where this will lead us, but I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. episode of Same Peaks, y'all. The podcast where two librarian geeks talk about the classic television show Twin Peaks once every few weeks. We're getting close to two weeks, aren't we? We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting closer. And in this special episode, we have another person joining us who is not a librarian. (laughs) (laughs) JR, why don't you introduce yourselves? Hi, everybody. I'm JR. Uh, I'm really uh, honored to be here on your <laughs> lovely podcast. Um, I'm, I'm really excited I'm in my office, and um, pretty soon it's going to be 10, 10 a.m. on February 16th, <laughs> which is very exciting. And JR, you are not a librarian, that's correct. That is correct. I'm not a librarian. I do love libraries. Um, Well, thank you. That was close. It was almost the shortest podcast episode ever. It's like, (laughs) I hate libraries. Get out of here, fool. No, no. I love libraries. should be, like, militarized. Um, (laughs) They should should be, like, their own, like, uh, existing party or, or, you know, sort of state unit that should, like, take over. Oh, like when you run for presidency, like I'm under the library party. Mm-hmm. Ooh. To yeah, take absolutely. over. You know yeah, what? Libraries are critically important to... You just gave me a dangerous libraries. idea. I guess I'm running. <laughs> I gotta run now. Everybody, this is the um, official 2020 announcement. Eric is running. Not, no, not 2020. <laughs> oh, okay. I am not prepared. Right, I guess that's... probably realistically, what, like 20... 50 something i need i need a couple years to prepare for this Uh, all right get hyped now though everybody but uh jr uh correct me if i'm wrong you also run a uh twin peaks podcast that i haven't listened to because the spoiler dub would attack me if i did yes yeah that's true in 2000 actually i can't remember if it was 2017 or if we even started late 2016 in anticipation um some friends of mine and i got together and uh, did a podcast where we uh, eventually did every episode of the third season, Twin Peaks: The Return, mm. um, which was insane, and I don't know how I did it uh, <laughs> because, because we were putting out episodes every week, and um, you know our episodes were usually longer than the episode we were covering. That is true, um, and and we went into a lot of depth, and so it was amazing. It was a great experience. Um, I love Kyle and Ken and Jeff, um, my co-contributors. Uh, and we had a great experience, and then I thought in 2018 we're gonna we're gonna go through all of David Lynch's movies, and uh, somehow it, you know we we only got a couple episodes out, we got more planned, 
but yeah, so I had a, we, we wrapped in podcast was the name of the podcast we did. Cool. And is it still ongoing? Because I, like I said, I I haven't checked it out at all. It's uh, yeah, of course you wouldn't have it. it it's on um, an extended hiatus, but we <laughs> do have. I think we're going to record on Wild at Heart pretty soon, um, which is exciting. And that's another. Have, that's have you a, watched that one? That's a David Lynch movie. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm explaining we to got, Eric. <laughs> we've talked yeah, about. We, we've, got, we've recorded two episodes that were like technical problems, and that they. It's an ongoing project as to whether or not we're going to reconstruct them or just re-record them. Oh, that stuff. We had an episode of our other podcast, Same Team, y'all, that, remember, we just couldn't use. Yeah. There was like a, what was it? It was like a weird thing that it happened. Got lost in the darkness yeah, of the woods. Yeah, it, it terrified me. Yeah. <laughs> well, JR, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. In- no, I'm glad to be here. I really enjoy you guys. I think you're uh, awesome. Oh, and uh, it, it is a privilege to be here. <laughs> I'm always, I'm kind of in a weird spot because it's like all of our listeners in theory know more about the show I'm podcasting about than me. So it's like really, <laughs> it's always kind of this weird spot uh, kind of situation. But uh, JR, for the listeners, um, you saw the mug that Tess gave me uh, in our last episode. Uh, was I making stuff up or was there something there? <laughs> well, I think that I noted discussing it before that it was kind of an abstract uh more more abstract than i had envisioned it listening to your descriptions of it on the show i think you um, called it georgia o'keefe-esque yeah it's, it's got a kind of earthy georgia o'keefe uh element to it so well that's there, there, there could be something there that's what the tea she served me had an earthy taste to it so it was, it was perfect actually oh so our first segment we're going to read the Log Lady intro, mm-hmm. and Eric, I hope that it's okay with you. I asked <gasps> JR if he would read the Log Lady intro to this episode, which, by the way, yeah. is season two, episode 16, mm-hmm. and the arbitrary title is The Condemned Woman. I think that's a great idea. I was going to suggest that, and you... <laughs> I'm already on we're top all, of it. We're all synced up. So, JR, if you wouldn't mind... Um, reading the Log Lady intro for us. That would be amazing. Absolutely. I'm, I'm ready to go. All right, we'll get our snaps ready. I'm, I'm warming up my hands. I'm ready to give you snaps. <laughs> All right, ready? Ready. <laughs> All right. A hotel. A nightstand. A drawer pull on the drawer. A drawer pull on a nightstand in the room of a hotel. What could possibly be happening or in this drawer pull? How many drawer pulls exist in the world? Thousands? Maybe millions? What is a drawer pull? Yes! This drawer pull. Why is it featured so prominently in a life or in a death of one woman who was caught in a web of power? Can a victim of power end in any way connected to a drawer pull? How can this be? <laughs> Oh, yeah, nice. you did. Now, Jr. Quick question: you you are also a a super fan like Tess, right? I think that would be an accurate. Yeah, Do you, have you heard these Log Lady intros like from the Log Lady? Yes. Yeah, because I was about to say, have you Tess? You have yeah, as well. You okay, can, you can look them up on YouTube. Well, I was about to say, like, I felt that when he was because when I read them, I never know like what cadence to use or whatnot. And I was like, I was, I was really thinking a lot about drawer pulls just then. That was a riveting performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Guys, the thing about this, I'm, I'm just not sure what's text and what's subtext. <laughs> I mean, drawer <laughs> pull. This one, this one actually relates to the episode a lot because there is a literal, like, very significant drawer pull in this episode. I don't know if I've ever actually used the phrase drawer pull <laughs> in my entire life until this exact. In fact, drawer pull feels like a weird, like, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, offshoot of Deadpool. <laughs> like, Drawer Pool's like the family-friendly Deadpool. I know uh, when um, JR and I were kind of doing some uh, behind-the-scenes talk about this episode, oh. and uh, and he he reminded me that this was the episode that I've always referred to as the doorknob episode. Oh. I thought she got... That's exactly right. It's so hard to remember exactly what the thing is. Yes. You want to call it a doorknob, but it's really a drawer pull is exactly what it is. It is, yeah. It's and doorknob like. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to avoid that confusion. This is also the first episode with Billy Zane, which was very uh, exciting you know, to I, me. I wish I hadn't seen, not to get ahead of ourselves, <laughs> I wish I hadn't seen his name in the opening credits, because what a legit delight. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, let's get into our, our next segment, which is where I recap the episode, and uh, Eric and now Jr. Yes. will fill in with their color commentary about the episode. And I'm sure Jr. is 100% cognizant of my life hangs in the balance, since I've got two Twin Peaks experts here. That's right. As far as spoiler does. We cannot yeah. spoil it for mm-hmm. Eric. Yeah, and that, that's right, and I, I've got... I've got some thoughts I've written down. I also have, like, I'm surrounded by, like, books with post-it notes with references that I want to talk about at some point. Oh, cool. But I really, uh, I, I tried real hard, Eric. I, I don't want to go to anything that would spoil you about future stuff. Yeah, it's... But I anything that looks retrospectively on the show so far. Yeah. And then even, like, I've got some, like, uh, sort of behind-the-scene production notes and comments from actors and stuff. I don't think it's going to spoil you, but hopefully it will enrich your experience. Oh, you know what, Jay? I got to tell you that <laughs> this is an absolute delight. Like, I feel like, I feel like, and I, I just judging off of what I've heard from you in this, you know, uh, short conversation so far, that Wrapped in Podcast is probably the very definition of the nice professional type Twin Peaks podcast, right? Because he's got notes. I will tell you, Eric, that Wrapped in Podcast quickly became like one of my favorite Twin Peaks podcasts. I was listening every week during the return and I would even play it for people who had, who are not watching Twin Peaks just because like, just listen to these guys talk about Yeah, them. yeah. Well, it's funny because I'm sure he's like going so in deep and he's got all this extra knowledge. And I'm like, yeah, I think they're all robots. <laughs> <laughs> but on the whole, I am really enjoying the show. But some of your uh, some of Ooh, your theories there, may, may there, have come to life. There was there. one, and when we get to it, I yeah. was very excited about that. I was happy to see. All right, so the episode opens with the image of an owl, mm-hmm. and then the image of some chess pieces, and then the image of the death mask, and then the tape recorder. And we're listening to Wyndham Earl on the tape recorder. And he is very threatening. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Harry says, that tears it. Because he's very worried about Coop's safety. And um, Brett has written a note oh. that says, I heart Coop's wiener. Which is maybe what Harry was thinking. That <laughs> is that what he, <laughs> what he wrote? Troop, I have to say, on the whole, in this episode, Truman was very, like, I've mentioned before how usually he's very, like, stoic, right? And that's one of the things I do appreciate about him, that when there's a high-energy situation, usually doesn't take away from it. Except for 
this episode, right? This is an emotional episode for yeah, Harry S. Yeah. Truman. Um, Pete is serving breakfast um, to himself <sighs> and to Catherine and to Andrew Packard. Uh, him and Andrew really get along. They're like best pals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? A dog or a kitty cat? The breakfast that <laughs> he, he made them him. a breakfast that looks like something. Yeah, it looks like a, an animal of sorts. Yeah. And then it looks kind of like a dog. It's like a happy face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, and I just, you know, Pete really loves Andrew. Oh, gosh. Like, they... it's, it's, it's really remarkable how tight and friendly and just, like, overwhelmingly loving they seem to be to es- each other. Especially after all of this time that he thought Andrew was dead. He, right. um... I mean, but Pete is such, he's such a good-hearted person. I mean, he's just like... Oh, whatever about all these conspiracies and murders and arsons and shit that's going around. Like, uh, this is my friend and he's alive. I'm just so happy that he's here. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot to Pete because Pete has been friendly with everybody. Yeah. I can't think of anybody that Pete does not. He's pals with everyone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's so sweet to Josie. Except for that, was she a Ukrainian woman? No, who was the he picked up the coats from, remember? And I don't speak. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, where was she from? Remember, he was like, and I don't speak. All I speak is. <laughs> I think they had a miscommunication. Yes, and that was in the last episode. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Josie faints because Boom. she did not realize that Andrew was still alive. They're, like, totally trolling Josie. Like, she walks in and she's like, holy crap, hits the floor. Catherine, through this whole episode, it's like, it's like emotional warfare against yeah. Josie. Yeah. Lots of evil laughter, too. It, and I'm so... And, yeah, I'm sorry, this is a... Eric, when you get a chance to watch other Twin Peaks or other David Lynch stuff, like, mm-hmm. people laughing uncontrollably about stuff that isn't really funny... That is some serious, ominous stuff. Yeah. Trope in, in all of David Lynch's work. And so that's kind of going on. Also, I, I, I want to stop for a second. Do you, do you guys allow swears on your podcast? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. We usually... Because <laughs> yeah, I, I want to restrain myself. Uh, do, do you guys swear on Wrapped in Podcasts? They do. They do. They had they had an explicit warning on their podcast. We do not have an explicit we do, so warning. So yeah, we probably shouldn't now that I think because mostly because I don't want to have to. We'll keep it. We'll keep it family friendly. I don't want to be. But how about this? Whenever you feel like cursing, just hoot like an owl. How's that sound? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, so evil laughter as Josie falls over from this discovery. Uh, then we see a great, a great image, Hank on crutches. Yes. Well, I saw that. I was like, oh, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Witness for the prosecution. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so funny. And uh, Harry is straight up arresting Hank for attempting to kill Leo. But then Hank is sort of threatening to blackmail Harry, saying, yeah, but Josie hired me to kill Andrew Packard. And so did, did they? It, wait. Is it not a secret that he's with Josie? Because it felt like it was a secret, but now it feels like everyone knows. Well, unless it's a secret that everyone knew. Hank knows. 
Yeah. Because Hank is a sneaky, well, and now, sneaky guy. Well, and now Hawk knows. And now, <laughs> right? But, but Hawk is discreet, so we don't have to worry about Hawk. <laughs> Especially Hawk. the way he kicks crutches. Oh, man. <laughs> that was great. You know, Hawk's going to have to answer that 1983 police brutality series. Yeah, I was just about to say, that was a little bit uh, <laughs> unprofessional, but well, he- because we hate Hank so much... <laughs> He's we'll part, let it slide. He's a part of the bookhouse boys, though, so he's used to bending the rules. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, someone who um, is not unprofessional is Albert. Ah, oh, this man. Albert has proven pretty much that Josie shot Coop. He's like, the bullets match. Um, we got to do something about it. And Coop is like, hold off. Because I think Coop realizes that this is going to ruin Harry yeah. when he finds out that his girlfriend is a murderer. Yeah, Tr- Truman, I'm realizing, is secretly a very emotional guy, yeah. right? You know? I didn't realize There's it. a lot going on under the surface. Under that hat. Under the, <laughs> under, the, under the sheriff's hat. There's a lot going on under that. Did I have a theory about his curly hair, too, at one time? You, your theory was oh, that, that he was named Harry because he's a hairy man. That's right. <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> And perhaps a hairy baby. Thank you. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's. A, I mean that that theory has not been unproven. Yeah. Could still be so, true. Yeah, could still be true. Um, Audrey is trying out all the departments at mm-hmm. the Great Northern. I think this is a uh, a very respectable training model. She's trying everything out. She's trying out concierge today, which the current concierge is like, you can't do my job. He was not <laughs> no, into no, it. No, Randy is a sexist bitch. Like, yeah, you know, thank you. I, I, I kiss comments about her tight sweater and like, can't wait to see you in housekeeping like that. Right. Like, come on, man. Her her tight sweater and it's, perky it's personality. <laughs> yeah, he. I think he's also though. If we're if we're gonna give him any benefit of a doubt, he's probably not too pleased about the nepotism. The very oh yeah, what's no, going like, on? You know. He's being kicked out of his position so that the boss's daughter can give it a try. But it's just temporary, though, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. can chill out a little bit, I think. <laughs> he can, he you can know, chill it's out. okay. And who should appear through the oh. doors of the Great Northern but the Great Billy Zane? Oh, I forgot I was supposed to be highlighting stuff. Oh, yeah. I? Do you have the- any mis- By the way, JR, if you think of any mysteries that I should highlight, I can't. I guess, <laughs> yeah. JR, can highlight One thing I wanted to put a pin in. Uh, just for future reference, is at the very beginning in the first scene, Coop makes a reference to uh, Wyndham Earl's wife being the love of his life. That's true. Let's put a pin in that for sure. Yeah. For future stuff? Yeah. Well, at the end of this episode? Yeah, and possibly the beginning of the next episode. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> I, I, one thing I have to say is I was watching this episode. I don't think I'm going to have a lot of mysteries to yeah. highlight. You Do know? you have any so far? No, I no. don't. But I was just saying, I remember the highlighter exists. Yes, it's right here. There it is. I'm looking right at it. So Billy Zane sweeps into the Great Northern. His hair is amazing. His... His outfit is amazing. He um, has he's asking her to like go get his luggage from his private plane that he flew. No bigs. No big deal. No bigs. Then there's this really odd moment between them that I would love for us all to simmer in, which is when um, this man who has not yet introduced himself, by the way, we don't know what his name is, um, other than he's very handsome. 
Um, he has a picture of Audrey when she was a girl, and he he has like a moment where he closes his eyes and he has this like peaceful smile on his face as he's imagining her as a child. He's a pedophile. Yeah, that's it's very weird. Did you get that, Eric? Did you think it was weird? I no, I definitely thought it was weird. I just don't know what was going on, you know? Uh, Yeah, because they haven't said like, hey, I knew you when you were a kid. He just says, I have a picture of you in a journal, and now I'm going to I'm just gonna sit and think about it with a Well, he like kinda like closed his eyes. He's like like, "Mm, I can almost picture it, you know? It's creepy. Do we ever... Uh, well, you, both of you guys can tell me if this is going to, like, summon the dove. Do we ever see that picture? Mm. I don't think so. I don't think we do. Yeah, that's no. I think we're all going to have to just close our eyes and imagine Here, I'm it. Doing Let's it right all now. do it right now. I, 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 will, I will choose not to slip into a pedophilia reverie. That is your right, sir. Um, uh, she receives a note. Audrey receives a note. Um, and part of the note is kind of this, uh, ripped up, yeah, um, poem, poem that, well, we find out it's a poem later, but it just looks like a ripped up piece of paper. And then the other note says to save the one you love to go to a gathering of angels at the roadhouse, which we find out somewhere about later. Now, we, what if we, right now, what if you, I, and JR all received notes that said exactly that? (laughs) Are we going to the Roadhouse? But for us, it says Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> Do we go? I don't think I go. I would not go. JR? I would go. Yeah! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would go. If we, if it's all the same Roadhouse, like, let's pretend we all live close and it's the same. If you were going, JR, I would go with you. But if you weren't going, <laughs> I'm not going by myself. That's for sure. Would you go if you knew JR and I were going? Yes. Yeah. Because okay. then I'd be like, I'm just going to hang out with my bros. Okay. But well, I got to um, tell you about this note I just got. <laughs> as somebody who works at, in a public uh, institution and has received notes yes. in the past mm-hmm. <laughs> from from people whom I would prefer to not receive notes from, that's what it made me think of. It made me think of like, ew. Well, <laughs> you don't know what's going on, right? But yeah, if you maybe if I was 18, I might think about going. Maybe. Like... <laughs> We were just talking on our other podcast about how, you know, 10 years ago, we're different people yeah, entirely. that's you know? true. Um, Nadine, speaking of the young. Speaking of being a different person. Yeah. Nadine, um, she uh, arrives. I saw Big Ed is fixing that um, that yes. shelf with all of her trinkets. I know you were worried about her trinkets. Did, did he buy me? She really has an impressive menagerie. She does. Well, but but, but it could, maybe it's Ed. Could be. Oh, I You're love right. that theory. We're that's... stereotyping that it's Nadine, well, so it might be Ed. Did he buy new ones, or did they just not break? Because I, <laughs> I figured they all shattered, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know. That that remains a mystery. Let me yeah, let's highlight it. Let um, highlight yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. But Nadine um, confesses to Ed that her and Mike are in love. They had a magical night together and she has to break up with Big Ed. And Big Ed is shook by this revelation. He is. I really thought that he would be... Because Big Ed's kind of another stoic character. Yeah. I thought they were going to do a gag. I would have bet money on this. They were going to do a gag and the camera would pan up to him hugging her and like his face like glowing, right? Like, (laughs) but he was just like surprised. He also said all night. Uh, All night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was very concerned for Mike's safety. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
because he, he had previously expressed his concerns. <laughs> yeah. I want to keep up with Midas. I want to see Mike walking around in like a pelvic cast the next day. <laughs> and he's just like, he's hobbling around. He can barely move. And he's just like, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, how old is Mike? Is this a crime that she's just confessed to? He's 17. Yeah, I mean, he's a senior. <laughs> so he's probably, you know, 18, 17. I don't know what the age of consent in Washington is, but. We'll go uh, with that. In the 90s. And, and I think we're, we're past that. I mean, it seems like some time has gone on since these kids, like Laura, would have graduated from high school already, I think. I don't know. I think Mike is still in high school. They're yeah, on the wrestling team together. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he is in high school. So, yeah, maybe he, he could be under 18. That's true. That's yeah. weird because everyone looks like they're 30. <laughs> <laughs> I get that's the real mystery. We should highlight that. That's really weird. Yeah. Um, Coop goes to talk to Josie, and he's trying to get her to confess. Um, for Harry's sake, really. Like it would just be easier if you just confess. He's gonna give her some time though. Yeah. He's not arresting her right now. You know what I thought Josie was gonna say when she was being questioned? Yeah. Rip rip, 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 my dress, tear my skirt. <laughs> that, that only works on Harry. That wouldn't have worked for Coop at no. all. He would have been like, no man. Um, and then Catherine essentially gives Josie a gun. Yeah. And then Josie hugs the gun. I, I think it's, it becomes clear throughout this episode that Catherine and Andrew would like Josie to kill Thomas Eckard. And that, they would, that's like they're guiding her to right, and they would also like I think Thomas Eckerd to kill Josie, but we'll get to that later. I think these are two problem people that they're hoping to eliminate at the same time. This is kind of a tough episode for me because it was heavy with the Josie Eckerd Packard stuff, which you are not. And I think part of the reason I don't have a <laughs> lot of highlights, into. I don't have a lot of highlights. I literally don't even really know what's going on half of the time. I'm just it, like watching, and I was like, I think she's being manipulated. And Catherine really hates Josie, and Josie lied to Eckerd, <laughs> and Packard's still alive, and I was just like, I just don't even know where to start. I was you know? a little worried for you, too, with your um, partial facial blindness, if you'd be able to tell the difference between Eckerd and Packard. Well, and one of them was wearing glasses, or were they both wearing glasses? And then I felt bad for you. It's like, you know, yeah, you know that show Orphan Black, right? Yeah. You like that show, right? I love that show. Um, that, that's what every, that's what everyday life looks like for me. I was like, just, I just see a bunch of clones walking around. I'm like, I don't know which one's uh, who. I also felt bad because we're introducing another character in this episode, uh, Billy Zane's character. That's, I would never not recognize Billy Zane, though. <laughs> that beautiful man. He, he's so beautiful. He, he defeats facial blindness. <laughs> Can I go into some backstory on Joan Chen and uh, Josie? Yes, let's do it. Please do. I have a a few little little tidbits. So an interesting fact, her role was originally intended to be played by Isabella Rossellini. Oh, not an Asian actress. Not an Asian actress. She was supposed to be an Italian woman. Mm. And I think she had a conflict and they just slipped Joan Chen, who was high off of uh, The Last Emperor, uh, Oscar-winning movie that had come out recently, and she was in that. And so 
they just slipped her in and she, she actually said in an interview she she wished that she had kept her as an Italian woman, like without explaining why this Italian woman <laughs> also appears to be Asian. That's a great idea. That, and that, that seems like a, cool, a pretty... Unfortunately, they didn't go down that road. Yeah, that seems like a pretty David Lynch move, so I'm surprised that they didn't. <laughs> right, right. And then and then I got uh, this, this hilarious thing from Michael Onkin, who plays Sheriff Truman. Yes. Um, so it, this is a, a quote. It's in a book called uh, Reflections on Oral History of Twin Peaks. And he says, the first time I saw Joan Chen, she was leaning calmly and gently into an origami figure she was intently creating. I was instantly smitten. Obviously, David was too. His introductory close-up of her in front of a private upstairs mirror perfectly captures the sultry, heart-starping languor of her Twin Peaks character. (laughs) It remains one of the signature images of the entire series. This is where it gets good. As the sheriff, I intentionally fumbled lines in our scenes together just to create the need for extra takes. There are also certain spatial tricks one can employ at will for technical reasons require additional takes. I hereby confess to being shameless and unprofessional. At the time, nobody busted me, but I may be delusional in thinking my lark went unnoticed on the set. So, not only his character, but the actor himself, like, could not get enough of Joan Chen and would deliberately try to, like, fumble lines so that he could get more time in the room with her. I think... Like, weird. I think I I knew that about Michael Onkin, that he would mess up scenes, and I feel like we talked about this briefly, but hearing it straight from his own mouth... That is really... Woo. Can you... That's like if, uh, like, at the library, someone was, like, purposely, like, oh, I still couldn't find that book. Where could that book be, Tess? Can you still help me out with that book? Oh, where is it? I can't figure out. Uh, JR, quick question. Do you have... While we're doing a recap, do you have more tidbits of this nature? Yeah. Okay. Now... I may I uh, submit that maybe when you do the the tidbit, um, we call it uh, Jr's story time. How's that sound? <laughs> and when you've got a tidbit, you let us know, and then Tess and I will sing. You ready, Tess? What are we gonna sing? One, two, three. <laughs> Jr story time. How's that sound? It's your podcast. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm also gonna imagine you're sitting in a chair. Um, next to a fireplace, and we're sitting on the rug listening. Okay, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Ben is back. <sighs> ben, ben is back. Ben is back. He's eating lots of vegetables. He's waving that celery stalk around. Yeah. Ooh, I have a theory about that. Highlight it. You got it. Celery stalk. Thank you. You got it. Um, and he introduces us finally to Billy Zane's character, who is a man named John Justice Wheeler. Good name. Who apparently, or Jack, Jack Wheeler, who apparently Ben made an investment in very early in Jack's career. And he's kind of cashing it in now by adding him to the board of the Great Northern, I suppose. And um, I just want to note that's classic pedophile grooming behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ben is kind of... I don't think I realized how creepy this episode got. (laughs) Ben is kind of the same way, right? Yes. I mean, he's into the youngsters. Oh, I forgot about yeah, One-Eyed Jack. One That's I, right. One uh, Jack. Freshly perfumed, of course. Ooh. Um, and, uh, and Ben is also, he seems very, like, at peace. He says, we don't begrudge Catherine this deal that she landed with the mill. And, um, and he's really concerned about the survival of the pine weasel. Mm-hmm. And he says, we have to fight 
uh, Ghostwood Estates, which is like what they're building on that land, um, on environmental grounds, which Jerry's like, yeah, that's a great idea. We'll block her that way. But uh, Ben seems like to legitimately care about the weasel. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's... Actually, Tess, you mentioned that he introduced John Justice Wheeler, but he also introduced this new guy, Bob Briggs. Uh, yes. My my administrative assistant Bob brings Bob. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. The um. Yeah, that was uh, is great. He's like a part of the conversation now. Yeah, Bob. Bobby. Yeah, Bob. Bo- Bo- excuse me, Bob Briggs. Bob Briggs. <laughs> it would only be better if it was Robert. Uh, you know what? Um. Is Major Briggs still in the shadows, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we haven't heard from him. I wonder if he's worried, or if his. Remember, his wife was real worried when he was gone for those few times. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if she's extra worried. He's in the shadows, mm. unless it's a shadow in the house. And she's yeah. like, I see you there. <laughs> like it's behind the closet door. Like I see you. I'm in the shadows. Okay, um, okay, darling. And then Ben also announces, uh, "What's next." A run for Senate, which I believe... Thank you. I was so excited when I heard that. I believe was part of your theory in our last episode. I sincerely hope... I sincerely hope that this isn't like a ruse or a scam. (laughs) And I hope that he is a changed man who... Oh, also by that... In that conversation, too, I love that he was talking about how um, they they, uh, change the companies to give back to the environment, Mm -hmm. right? And he's talking about fresh air and he puts that cigar out, you know? Oh, that's later. That's later. Oh, is that later? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to talk about that. Yeah, because apparently that's Jack Wheeler's jam is that... But we'll talk about that later. There's also always kind of like a Western cowboy theme that plays around jack wheeler too it's like jr do you know do you notice this this you know all the characters seem to have a little bit of a signature tune to them or or the the um scenes that they're in if it's like a romantic scene it always has the same music if it's a sneaky mysterious scene it kind of has the these great great themes that were composed by angelo Badalamente. in jack justice wheeler's a solid cowboy name right <laughs> it is yeah <laughs> um at the rr diner put a pin in this norma gets a call from her sister annie yeah who is leaving a convent who probably has a face <laughs> That you will have to yeah, remember. Yeah, that I will have to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and Shelly gets a note from a... Uh, uh, what did you think of Wyndham Earl's disguise in this, um, in this scene? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know if you just put, like, a ball cap on, right? He looks like he's yeah. wearing a fat suit, too. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's in a fat suit, and he's wearing his, like, trucker... Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, he, like, he had a belly yeah. and all that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. You see it more in the next scene where he's talking to Leo. I've got belly blindness, too. I don't even <laughs> see bellies anymore. Um, <laughs> I want to put a, a pin in something that Norma said, which is that when she was younger, yes. she used to think that Annie was from another time and place. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The sister. She's a mysterious lady, yeah. this Annie, that we're going to meet, maybe. No we we may or may not meet her. Probably. I was nervous when she got that call. I actually thought it was Hank at first. Ooh, yeah. So when she was like coming by, I was like, is she like letting him back in? Yeah. You know, I was nervous. But no, there's this is followed by a very romantic moment. Yes! In which Big Ed just like, he comes right there behind the counter 
and lays a big old smooch on Norma and proposes. Right then and there. Right then and He'd there. He'd been waiting 20 years for this. Yeah. I love that scene. God, it's so good. And like <laughs> Shelly's like watching. She's like, ooh, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah. You think that's what her and Leo were like back in the day? Mm-hmm. Probably I like not. Probably not. We'll <laughs> highlight it anyway. Okay. You got it. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. And then we see uh, Wendell Morrell talking to Leo. Leo is making arrows for Wendell Morrell. He's doing a good job at it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Windermere also pricks his finger on the arrowhead. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> They're very sharp. Yeah, but I'm just so confused. I-, I mentioned earlier, I was like so excited about Windermere, and I was just so confused by his like demeanor, and he's like this super, his mind is brilliant like a diamond, but he doesn't know not to put his finger on an arrowhead. I mean, I don't understand what's going on around here, you know? Oh, I know. I feel like maybe they hyped him up a little too much. I thought it was like, I mean, he's still brilliant, I suppose. What's your opinion, JR, on Wyndham Earl as a villain? I really like Wyndham Earl. Yeah? Uh, He's not universally loved in the fan community, but I I always uh, enjoyed the Wyndham Earl plotline in season two. Um, I I like things about his character that I don't know if we're quite there yet in the season. Right, right. I think that he sells it personally. And I, I, I actually um, am trying not to say anything spoilery yeah. well, at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I like Wyndham Earl, and I, and I, and I particularly enjoy, um, you know, the outside material to deal with Wyndham Earl, like My Life, My Tapes. Okay. Yeah, there's this there's this biography. It's like a biography, autobiography of oh, Dale Cooper made up of oh, the yeah, tapes yeah. that he recorded. Yeah. You can read at some point in the future. Yes. Um, so there's things about Windermere that come out through that <laughs> book. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm down with Windermere. I'm down with the Duchess. <laughs> Maybe well, it almost sounds like too is that there's stuff we figure out or that he does later that I might be really into. You know, yeah, well, I we'll, think I just we'll oh no, out. I just I, maybe I overhyped in my head. Like, I think I was really excited for you to meet Wyndham Earl because he's so goofy. And I, I didn't I know think, you love like I was, goofy stuff. I was picturing like a saw trap type guy. Well, you know? maybe we'll get. There I don't think Jigsaw get his finger stuck in his own head trap. You know. <laughs> Um, Norma goes to jail to ask Hank for a divorce. And Hank starts off with his whole, like, oh, I'm really sorry. Oh, shucks, babe. I want to go to therapy. And I love Norma, like, shuts him down. She's like, that's very interesting, Hank. But I want a divorce. And then he's like, then he switches. And he's like, okay, well, I'll do it if you lie and say that I was at the restaurant. Um, but Norma does not want to do that. She's not interested in that deal. She doesn't want to lie for him anymore. And then Hank gets real nasty. Yeah. The de-evolution of Hank here as his, as he realizes his scams aren't working anymore. He like, he basically is like, well, you're just a, a not nice word for a lady. I guess that is a curse word. (laughs) Can we say that? I don't want to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say it. That's a word I personally don't like to say, but you can say it if you want. He calls her a hoe for show. For show, yeah. And she's, you know, she's like, well, that's fine. I'd rather be his hoe. Than your wife. (laughs) The, um, I, this has been a bad day for Hank, right? Yeah. You know, he tried to swindle, um, or, or talk his way out with Truman. Nope. Try to talk his way out of his wife, who's been doing... He's been doing it for, what, 20 years or so? Yeah. Nope. Not gonna happen. Not gonna you know? Happen. Not gonna happen. 
Oh, uh, highlight Hank real quick. You got it. I got, you got, a, I got a, little, Hank. a little something that may may or may, may not be true. Okay. Um, we got we had to call Pete down because a chess move is expected. <sighs> Pete. Windermerle wants uh, Coop to publish the next chess move, so of course they pull town chess expert, the renowned Pete Martell, and he gives a good suggestion. He says this is gonna. He can't kill anybody for at least five or six plays. By the way, they are letting Pete into uh, more and more what he's, what he's, I think at first they were like, Pete, we just need you to play this game of chess. Don't worry about it. Just give us some moves. And now they're like, yeah, people are going to die if you don't do this correctly. And Pete's like, well, okay, guys. Well, okay. <laughs> he, um, it makes me kind of sad because I was going to say, like, I would watch a Pete spinoff show. Yeah. But you had told me. The actor has passed away. Yeah, yeah. this bums me out, you know? He so. may still make it into the return, though. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> never mind. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're right on the edge there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, there's a, lot of du- there's a lot of birds outside on your, yeah, uh, we'll on on. your deck. We'll move on. Um, Albert, you know, I, oh, go I, ahead. I, just, I have some Pete stuff. Yes, uh, we love Pete stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Story. Wait, was it J time? J- J- Story time with JR. Story time with JR. JR. Okay, your turn, JR. Right, so, so, according to John Thorne's uh, book, The Essential Wrapped in Plastic, which is they took a bunch of uh, stuff from the wrapped in plastic uh, zine and put it to a book. It's a fan zine. Yeah. Uh, apparently, this move that Pete, that this chess move, uh, is apparently according to chess experts, it's actually not the best response to Earl's capture of the black pawn. And they argue it shows that Pete is nowhere near the expert player he's supposed to be and proves the show's writers have not been given proper attention to the importance of the game, relegating it instead to a convenient symbolic cliche around which to play the whole Cooper Earl, White Lodge, Black Lodge conflict. Ooh. I kind of right. think that's garbage. Um, <laughs> Like, who cares? Like, really? Come on. <laughs> I, I, it, I, I thought it was cool that Pete was able to come up with this move that would give Windermere sleepless nights. Uh, and I kind of think that if you're that wrapped up and like, oh, well, they don't really care about the game of chess. <laughs> you're a nerd and you need other things to worry about. Yeah, that's, you might be too close thing. to it at that point. What, what, just curious, JR, what year was this? Where that original statement came out where they were talking about the chess move and all that. Have you read this test? Um, I haven't. But uh, I don't. I don't know like where that first appeared in the magazine. Was the magazine? When was the magazine originally? Do you know? Um, Wrapped in plastic was a was a, a zine that was out. It probably started maybe around the time that Twin Peaks started. Oh. And then you know went on for a while and you know covered all kinds of lynch stuff. My friend Kyle was published in it um, a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know the details of its history. <laughs> Way back in the day, uh, when you enjoyed something and you couldn't immediately go on the yeah. internet and, like, talk to a bunch of people who also like that thing, that's what you did. You made little fanzines and I, they that got actually, distributed around. That makes me so happy to hear that statement, though, JR, because now, like, I have a tough time 
I don't know if you've ever listened to our other podcasts, same team, y'all. We, it's basically in direct opposition to kind of like uh, people trolling each other online and being mm-hmm. disrespectful. And it's encouraging to know that people have been disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> disrespectful fans of things long before the internet existed. And all the all, all the social media is, is just a microphone, essentially. You know? Yeah. It's not new. It's just louder now. You yeah. know? It makes me so happy. Um, Al- not that it exists, but, you know. Albert... Uh- Albert's back, and he's like positive ID this time. Uh, she she shot you, Coop, and she shot the Asian man who was killed. The, the one, Jonathan. I the heard one Asian man. I heard they were still looking for a new Asian man. The one Asian man got killed in the whole in the whole city. Um, she shot uh, uh, Jonathan too, and and Albert says we need to. We need to bust this B. He calls her a B. He calls her a B. This is a 90s, yeah, 90s TV. I didn't like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Albert, he, I mean, I think he cares about Coop and Harry also. Albert's such yeah. an interesting person. And he's so, and he's, you know, he's, the. I mean, if, if we know anything about Albert, he takes his job very seriously. And his job is to put uh, evildoers behind bars and someone shooting a bunch of people. Well, what it is, he's he's dealing in, like, facts, right? He yes. sees this, and to him, he sees the evidence that shows Josie's the one. He's like, what are we waiting for? Oh, and were you going to mention Truman at that point? Truman Truman walks by, and he's just like, mm. Yeah, he kind of overhears this. Mm. I, think, I think Truman is very slowly coming to the conclusion that his, uh, you know, his girlfriend is a murderer. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I guy. we see here uh, some inherent qualities for Coop is sort of uh, sometimes reluctance mm-hmm. and hesitation and his desire to kind of make everybody happy. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I one could argue that if he had acted more swiftly uh, like Albert wanted to, then this whole turn of events could have gone very differently. That's true. Someone might not be stuck in a drawer for him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's possible. He, he just wants to find the best solution for everyone. Yeah. And I think he's just Particularly also... Harry. I think he has a very strong affinity for Sheriff well, Truman. I think he's very cognizant of the emotions of the people around him. Their emotional well-being. And he's very close to Truman. And he knows that <laughs> he's going to take it hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's taking it hard. Um, Josie has a little powwow with Andrew Packard, and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Eckerd made me kill you, even though you're not dead. Um, <laughs> and uh, he tells her, you should go to Thomas Eckerd. He loves you. They're like really laying on the manipulation, very thick at this point. Um, but... so. I don't really know what Josie's other option is either. <laughs> Eckerd told Josie to kill Packard. That's correct. But she didn't. She did, well, she thought she did. By how? She hired Hank. Thank you. Okay, she thank you. Hank We're gonna to go him. through this because I was so confused. Okay. Yeah, she hired Hank to kill him, but he basically faked his own death when he realized what was going on. Okay, and then she ran away from Eckerd. Well, she stayed here in yeah. the States, like, away from Eckerd. So when Eckerd yeah. says, you betrayed me, how'd she betray Eckerd? Because she didn't really kill him. But she thought she really did, she right? She thought she did. Okay, thank you. That helps me out. Because I was like, how could she not have killed him, but then think she killed right. him? It's very murky. It's Well, murky is a good word for it. <laughs> yeah, murky is a good word. I need to subscribe to a fanzine to figure it out. 
I guess now it's podcasts. We're the new fanzines, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah. Um, Donna and James have a beautiful picnic. I actually like this scene a lot. I love it. I know you love James. <laughs> really? Wow. I did. Am I? I, I wanted to fast forward to it. Am I the only one? I love all the. Maybe you know what though, and this is. This is maybe this is I don't know puts me in a poor light, but later this is later where they have um, uh, uh, Audrey, Shelley, and Donna, Donna all uh-huh. together, and Donna is just a very pretty lady. So maybe I just enjoy watching her in these James scenes. Yeah, maybe you maybe know that's it. And maybe. I know James is just a tortured heart. He just wants to be yeah. happy. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not the biggest fan of James when James uh-huh. says. Or yeah. The song is. <laughs> <laughs> when James says he wants to get on his bike and ride away, I'm like, okay, go ahead, sir. Bye bye. Oh no, James. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of James. Um, but we do learn some stuff in this scene. We learn that Evelyn is going to go on trial. Yeah. And James is going to be a witness against her. Um, and uh. Ooh, Donna, Donna, she's just, she's very forgiving. She forgives James for everything that went on with him and Evelyn, even though they were high school engaged. Um, she was wearing the ring. Yeah, she's wearing the ring. She tells him, well, she asked him to come back and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, that's fine. You know, I'll be she here says, waiting. She says, take all the time you need take is what she says. all the time you need. I, I mean, I don't I will know. be here when you it's, come back. You're right. She's so forgiving, but that's, and this is like, I, I get it. If you don't, but it's like, that's what you do if you love someone, right? Yes, so. I know. I don't know. And I. Doesn't Donna say something about how she had her own thing too going on? But she didn't. I know, but she, oh. she was like, I, it's okay. I oh. she's like, oh, sorry about Evelyn. She's she like, does I, say I that. Thing going on. But I was like, what is May- that? It's oh. nothing that was cut. Was like, that a cut scene? <laughs> what was what? Well, she kind of had a thing with Harold for a little she bit. She did kind of have a thing with Harold, but, but then he raked his own face. But that wasn't a. I, I well, I felt like it wasn't really a thing. It was a thing to get information, and maybe she was also enjoying the attention she was getting. But I don't know if she was like. They definitely didn't have sexy times together the way no. that, the way that James well, and remember did. that well I was gonna say was that remember that weird part where he was like <laughs> got all worked up he was like I gotta go I'll be back in a little bit <laughs> I gotta go fertilize these flowers <laughs> I don't know something about James I just I, I I think I like James is just like a he's a character where his plot lines are so like He's reacting to things, right? Okay. Like, rarely is he, like, a part of... Well, I guess he was kind of, like, trying to track down Laura's murder yeah. murder at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, like, lately, he's just been, like, things happen, and I gotta get away. Or things happen, and I'm reacting in this way. And I don't know. He's just a, he's just a kid. He's like a 30-year-old kid, this poor guy. <laughs> you know? Um, Catherine is reading uh, Great Expectations. Mm-hmm. Um... And uh, she's just having a lovely, leisurely night at home, reading Charles Dickens, uh, when Harry comes to the door uh, looking for Josie, and Pete tells him, Pete is, like, not wanting to tell him where Josie is. She's like, well, she's at the Great Northern, and Catherine's like, yeah, with Thomas Eckerd, you better get over there. Yeah, yeah. And he off he runs. Yeah, he goes, well, he's like... He's emotionally distraught, this He man, is, and know? I also think Catherine's like, this is great because if Josie and Thomas don't 
and Thomas Eckert don't finish each other off, then and we'll send this very emotional sheriff in with a gun. Why um, do they? And I don't know if this is something I'm missing. So if it's something I'm missing, you guys can let me know. If it's something that's revealed later, you know, hold off. But why does Catherine hate Josie so much? Like she doesn't just hate her, but it's like she's pulling all the strings to destroy this woman, yeah. and I don't understand why. Because because Josie got the mill. Is that it? The mill? Yeah, Josie got the, well the mill and like the Packard riches. Like oh. she she was Andrew's she's Andrew's sister, right? So yeah. she she wanted to get all of Andrew's stuff when he supposedly died, but Josie took it all. Who she who, was his wife? Who, I think she's resentful about that. But she's also young and beautiful, and there's this thing with women. Those hands too, you know. I mean, <laughs> enviable it's hands. Just those hands, right? Like she did. I mean, I guess that tracks. It just feels weird. Like she got the mill because she was, her, you know, she was married to her husband. But I don't know. Like he's still alive, so it's like this but, weird. Like that's true. Could, if they and got married, Catherine mar- supposedly knew that the whole if time. They got, thank you. If they got married, what's her? What's his name? Andrew. Yeah. Packard. If he. If they got married. It was Andrew's decision, essentially. She got the milk because she was married to him. Couldn't he have easily decided, like, oh, when I pass, my sister gets the milk. I also think so that... So her beef should be with him. I also think that it might be that Catherine is a sadist. Do you remember... Uh, yeah, do yeah. you remember, Eric, when you and I went to a training recently about how how we should treat homeless people in the library, homeless individuals, yeah. um, and... It's, you know, with great compassion. And yet, there's about 10%... That are everyday sadists. And 10% of the human race yeah. that are what you consider everyday sadists. Yeah. I think she's an everyday sadist. Yeah. she. It's just so, like... So... Like, she's attacking Josie on, like, all fronts. Yeah. You know? She's not nice to Pete, either. I know. Pete, man. <laughs> I want to talk to Pete about that. But he loves her. He does love her. I kind of wish I could find Pete a new girlfriend. <laughs> Guide to Twin Peaks. I'm familiar with it. I haven't read it yet. Ooh. Uh, so it's a uh, it's it's great. I don't think any of it's canon, but it's like totally <laughs> hilarious. It's Is like this a, the it's the like a travel guide to Twin Peaks? Yes. It was published while the show was on the air. Yes. And uh, there's a section on the Packard Sawmill, and uh, they they have a little blip about uh, Catherine Martel. It says, born November 4th, 1940, under Scorpio, as well as the half moon, and the lifeless gaze of several stuffed animals murdered by her sporting father. (laughs) Catherine graduated from our high school with a remarkable command of French, Japanese, and the Kama Sutra. Oh. Oh. (laughs) She's she's an educated woman. Wait, I just, oh, we we already mentioned, I just realized her feet, too, Mm -hmm. right? So Kama Sutra plus the feet. Plus feet stuff. Who knows what's going to (laughs) happen? Well, I hope he keeps it wrapped in plastic. Am I right, guys? Okay. <laughs> um, Andrew, uh, wait, where we go? Oh, yes. Andrew Packard. This is the great elevator scene yes. that we alluded to earlier. I thought, he, I thought he was standing in front of a mirror for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Packard. Andrew Packard uh, lies and tells yeah. Thomas Eckerd that jo- Josie betrayed him. That's why I got confused. That's why you were yeah. confused. That was a lie because he's manipulating Thomas Eckerd. Um, and he tells her that she's been with the sheriff, which I feel like um, Thomas Eckerd said something to the effect of like, well, that's fine. I'm going to take care of him or yeah. something like that. I don't know what that was necessarily alluding he to. He said, or I've already set something in motion. Yeah. But, but I think in the scene, we understand the source of Andrew Packard's power. 
which is that he's a ball cell. That he's a what? A ball cell. He's voluntarily celibate. Oh. Remember, because he says, I, unfortunately, I don't oh, care. Oh, right. He says, yeah, he says, I have no use for love. Oh. I, I gave I, it up years ago. I've never heard of that phrase before. <laughs> Does that give him power? <laughs> yes. I think he's, he doesn't have to use like, Viagra or Cialis. Like he's, and he's also, I guess that. he's not, like, swayed by our hands or anything, yeah. right? Yeah. Huh. I miss that. You know what I like about this scene, too, is that the whole time they're talking, the cultural norm of facing the door with the elevator holds firm. Like, they don't want... You know what I mean? They're still both facing the door. They, they've stopped the elevator. They could easily turn and, like, talk to each other like normal people, but they're still facing the door. It's yeah. powerful. You know, we've all been brainwashed. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, like, the most discreet, like, fire stop on an elevator. <laughs> like, there's no buzzing. No one's, like, rushing around, like, oh, they stopped the elevator. What's wrong? That's just, like, it's a cool thing. You just pull the thing. You can stop and have a casual conversation they actually, They put it in the brochures at the Great Northern. They're like, if you ever want a quiet conversation, we've got convenient giant buttons on our elevator. Yeah, if you ever need to have a meeting with your uh, most dangerous business rival, right. we'll just, uh, <laughs> just press that button. Great Northern. We won the Civil War. <laughs> Yes. We've never. Are those real? We've never talked. We've never talked about that, but I've noticed that, and it's like really. I don't know. Maybe they're all fake, or maybe everyone gets a free shotgun (laughs) when they go to the Great Northern. Um, they're having dinner at the Great Northern. Um, Ben and Audrey and Jack, and this is where Ben. Yeah. Gives up smoking. Did he stop for Maybe. Real? I don't know. He's we'll find celery. out. He stopped smoking. He's worried about the pine weasel and the environment. And he's, you know, saying how Jack is so great because he turns these business uh, green, basically. Um, all these failing businesses. And then he just, he puts out his cigar. Oh, and then he needs to run to the kitchen because I believe that the either the cook has attacked Jerry or Jerry has attacked the cook. <laughs> Yeah, he said the chef either stabbed or tried to stab Jerry. I'm, I'm worried about Jerry, y'all. I don't know. I love, love Jerry. I I'm love really Jerry. Jerry might have, like, an obsessive compulsion to eat all of the food, and he's, like, in the kitchen trying to get the food. When I first heard yeah, I that... Think, I think he's disputing recipes. Oh, chef. yeah, that could be. It could be. One of the deleted scenes from this episode, Ooh. when they're talking about the pine weasel originally... Jerry goes into like about like a particular kind of glaze you can put on the pine weasel, <laughs> the weasel yeah. with a particular kind of wine. <laughs> so I, I think that he's having some sort of gourmand, you know, battle royale with the chef in the kitchen. <laughs> it's like an iron chef. I like situation. that. I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I'm headcanoning that. Um, Audrey, uh, they have a conversation, her and Jack, um, which, uh, all I really got out of it is that she felt like she needed to tell Jack she was 18, which was yeah a thing. Just a heads happened. up, guys. I'm legal. Uh, I'm 18 now, Billy Zane. Uh, I have a theory that Billy Zane is actually the one who sunk the Titanic. I think he's the one who did it. So, someone that. call him up. I think he's the one who did it. Yeah, yeah. His name is Jack. What? His name was Jack, wasn't what? it? No, no, no. Jack was um Jack was Leonardo da Vin- oh. uh, Di- DiCaprio's okay, character. I don't know what his name was. Um, <laughs> um, bad fiance. At the Roadhouse, we find out that Donna also got part of the note. We didn't see her receive yeah. her note like we did Audrey and Shelley, but she also got it. They put all of their pieces together. 
and it's this poem. And Wyndham Earl is just kind of enjoying this. From, he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's, he's staring at them <laughs> from down the bar, which these girls do not have very good situational awareness. Like as a woman, when you go into a bar, you need to be aware of your situation. And these girls are not practicing that at all. Yeah. <laughs> which tisk tisk to them. Um, Coop is practicing fly fishing. Yeah. Which is the cutest thing in the world. That's the most cozy and precious moment from this episode. Yeah, not a... Well, I, I was going to say not a lot of cozy, but we did have that Ed scene. Yes, we did. We proposed. Um, and he gets a call from Catherine, and the call is to tell him that Josie is in Thomas Eckerd's suite, mm-hmm. which he, not reluctant this time, he gets right up to go and investigate that. Um, and he hears a gunshot. Through the door, Eckerd has been shot uh, by Josie, and um, and now she's pointing a gun at Coop, and um, and was she pretending to be asleep? Like that was so that was co- a weird. That was scene. so confusing. Yeah, it was all weird. It was I, very I, weird. About it, like how Eckerd like pretends like uh, you think he's totally fine, but then he gets up and like, oh, there's a huge gunshot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was like he heard fighting, and then he went in there and they're laying. He gets up. He's bleeding. <laughs> she's still laying. He falls down. Now she's up. Now she's up pointing a gun. And she claims that she shot Coop hoping to, like, stop all of this and she, not well, get... He, she, he, he says, why did you shoot me, Josie? And she says, because you came here. Yeah, she did say that. What does that mean? Well, he did bring the darkness with him, remember? That's According what... That's to what right. it's like John Renault. Renault yeah. said that, too. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, and she was hoping that she was going to stop everything by killing Coop, and then, like, she would not get sent away, and then Harry arrives on the scene, he's aiming his gun at Josie, and then suddenly Josie... Oh, and Harry screams, too. He's like, and I was like, whoa! He does. Calm it down, brother. He is at, he is at 11 right now. (laughs) He's he's hanging out at 11. He's extra Harry right now, and then Josie dies. And then Harry runs to her, and very suddenly, without much of an explanation right now, she's she's dead. And he's holding her. And crying. And crying, yeah. as one does. And then Coop, Coop is looking at this, and then all of a sudden that disappears, and he sees the spotlight on the bed. Mm-hmm. And, oh my god, I got goosebumps. Bob. Bob's back. Climbs out. From yeah. behind the bed, yeah. and he says, "What happened to Josie?" And then we see the little man dancing yeah. on the bed. He still got good moves. He still got good moves. <laughs> and then we see Josie in the drawer pull. Yeah. I mean, I guess you should One just. Thing I wanted to note oh. is that before Coop has his vision, yeah, he is totally nonchalant about the fact that Josie just died for no apparent reason. Yeah. He's just like, hey, what's up? And, uh, and <laughs> truth, you know, Harry is, is mourning her. Yes. But I'm surprised why everyone isn't like, what? What? Why, why did she like, just die? First step, why is she dead? Yeah. Go ahead and just circle that because that's the, I didn't feel like I had a lot of mysteries in this episode until like that, that final part. And then I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay. So. Um, yeah. And then that is the end of the episode. That's we the see end. her like tortured face in the drawer pool. And that's the end. Drawer pull. Drawer pull. That's a good... Like, I, got a, I, I got a lot of drawer pull stuff, guys. Do you? Obviously, it's the central 
you know, the biggest mystery of the Should show. Should we sing our theme song? You're not, you're not pulling my drawer about that, do you? Is it, no, does it, no, not at all. does it belong here or do you want to do it in mysteries? Uh, it's up to you guys. It's your podcast, guys. Oh. Whatever you want. Let's do Ooh. it. Let's I mean, do it in the mysteries. Let's, let's do it in mystery? the mysteries. Okay. Hey, do you want to join us in the so many mysteries? You ready? Three, two, one. So, so many, many mysteries. mysteries. Uh, sorry, I wasn't familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> Got them all. Okay. Cool. Let's look here. All right. You had me highlight the death mask. Did I tell you to highlight the death mask? Oh no, that's just what me. No, I highlighted that. Excuse me, that was my own highlight because we wanted to put a pin in the fact that. Uh, oh yeah. Coop was talking about how she was the love of his life, and that's I guess yeah, important. Is that important later? Yes. Yeah, it might be. Okay. Um, you have a theory about Mike. Mike. And Nadine. Yeah, well, I was going to ask. So, I'm assuming they are a couple now. They're in love, the th- according to Nadine. The thing, I, I love the, to me, not so much a theory, but just like a expanding upon what we see in the show. Yeah. Is I'm assuming, I'm hoping that she's really with Mike. He's in love with the super tongue. And <laughs> and he's, they're going to be a couple. But we know Nadine's not right in her head. That's you know, true. And I'm concerned for her sake that she's not really with Mike and that she just thinks she is. Because mm-hmm. there was a while she – all we've seen is she kissed him mm-hmm. and he seemed to enjoy it. But we haven't seen anything more past that. You yes. Know? You're so right. not we just – witnessed anything. We haven't witnessed it. She's I, an unreliable source for information right now. Unreliable source of information. Yeah. Um. So we were talking about Mike and his – um, magical night with Nadine. Oh, oh and you were saying that, she's yeah. an unreliable That's all I've got. Source. Yeah, unreliable source. I mean, gotcha. you know, like I said, this is a, not a mystery-heavy episode for me, you know? Okay, let's see what else I got. Oh, Ben eating vegetables? Yeah, okay, so this is real dumb. So, do you guys like to eat celery, JR? Not particularly. Me neither. Um, yeah. <laughs> some celery on it, some, some peanut butter and some celery. I'd eat some of that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a theory, not with Ben, but I think the actor. Who's the actor who plays Ben Horn? Um, Jr. Do you know off the top of your head what that actor's name is? I'm trying to reach it in my head. I know it's driving uh, me nuts. He's a great actor. Well, I, I was going to say it really quick. I have a theory that he doesn't like to eat celery because okay. if you're watching, he's swinging it around, <laughs> and then when he takes the bite, he moves his mouth in. They cut to Jer. And then when he comes back, he's pretending to eat celery. So I think, or or it wasn't, or or they only had one, they only had enough money for one stock of celery, and they're like, we can't do multiple takes of him <laughs> taking bites of the celery. Um, so pretend to take a bite, and here's another one with a bite out of it. And I, I don't think he really took a bite out of that piece uh, of celery. Richard Richard Bamer. Richard, Richard Bamer, Bamer is that great was a, actor. Was yeah. a West Side Story and stuff. He's awesome. Is he still yes. around? Like, is he doing the yes. Comic Con? Yeah, he still acts and stuff. Did, yeah. Did he ever become a uh, senator? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh man, he would get my vote. Okay. Um, have you seen West Side Story? Yeah, I mean, which haven't there been a couple? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the like the most probably the classic. The yeah. classic oh, like that one? I probably have. It's been Natalie a while. Wood. It's been a while since I've okay. seen it. I think I saw I, it in like music class. He, he plays like the lead romance, the romantic lead. In oh, that. Nice. and the actor who plays um, 
Dr. Jacoby is also in that musical. They both yeah. have background in are they music both theater. In the same gang? Are they both jets or sharks? They or? are both uh, jets. Very. No, yes, jets. They're yeah. both jets. Very nice. <laughs> and when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from They're... your first cigarette to your last dying day. So they're still in the gang. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Um, did you have something to say about Ed proposing? Well, it just wanted me to say, not, well, not necessarily a mystery, but like I said, it's a mystery light. So I just want to throw a little bit in there. I think he's had that ring long before. I think he, I know. I, know. I love that idea. I think he bought that ring. I think he bought that ring for her a long time ago. And he's been holding on to it, wondering when will they finally say goodbye to their others and oh. he will bring it. Because he marched right in there. He sure did. Like, I, he. He's been thinking about this yeah. for for years, and I, I don't think he went down to the jewelry shop like today. Or I think he bought it years and years and years ago. You know, I love that idea. I really do. I mostly love that idea because Brett bought an engagement ring for me, like maybe like the like first week That's that we so were dating. Sweet. Yeah, and so I just love that idea of a man carrying an engagement ring around for years. Yeah, because he knows already, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Do you have a theory about Leo? Did I put down Leo? Well, there? I highlighted Leo making oh. arrows for Wyndham Earl. Um, no, I don't. I was just, I was just gonna. I was just. I think that came about where I was gonna be like, was Leo that romantic when he? Oh, that's right. Because I'm so amazed at, like, why would anyone end up with Leo? That's you know what it. I mean? Like, yeah. I feel that's why I brought it up because I, I keep thinking that maybe he was a different person back in the day. You know, maybe. I don't know. So. I mean, or maybe he's, he's, he's got a steady job uh, and as he's a got trucker. A, a side hustle, yeah, that's, uh, you know, pretty profitable. That ponytail uh, is nice. <laughs> oh god, ponytail! I think that Shelley's into bad boys. Yeah. And yes, I would say that is. Yeah. Case. So I think that might have been a lot of well, the appeal. I think later. now she's into Bob Boys because <laughs> Bobby's new name is Bob. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Bob Boys. Bob from accounts receivable. <laughs> <laughs> The dinner with Jack, I highlighted. The dinner with Jack. Why yeah, are we highlighting? Something. Am I like losing? Was that one of your? Something to do with maybe that was one of Jack Wheeler. <clears throat> you forget? No, I'm sorry. I mean, I might have mentioned her. Was it just me, or did Audrey seem like she was like kind of nauseated at that dinner? Yeah, she's like really like she's, but she's also like into it too. Like, it's very hard. Like, I don't understand her at all. Like, I feel like she should be into a very handsome guy paying attention to her. But then she's also, like, kind of grossed out by how forward he is. Well, he does that, like, shy, like, hair shake. Like, well, you know, (laughs) yeah, it's it's my my airplane. (laughs) He, he, you know. But then she's like, oh, by the way, I'm also 18. I don't. Like, what was the point of that? Like, and other, at the than, end she other calls, than to, like, basically announce your elegi- eligibility as a well, partner. Whenever I, I... She was hoping that it would dissuade him from continuing to pursue her. Oh. Like, she's like, so young. I'm really only... I'm only or, 18. Or, oh, I'm 18, so you won't be in I was, I was about to say, by the way, I'm eight years older now. And he's like, oh. <laughs> you still do the pigtails, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we figured that out. Um, 
Josie oh, dying. I was going to ask. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. Jack Wheeler. Was he a cowboy at one time? <laughs> I, don't I mean, he's been all around the world, he said. I just get a cowboy vibe from this guy. Yeah. Anyway. He's an it. outlaw. So I've got to tell you, so we're at the end, right? Yes. So there were a couple things that I didn't think happened until we started oh, recording. Until, oh, yeah. Perhaps I shouldn't have been so. That's okay. I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> For one, I mean, I know they said Josie's dead. Yeah. But people look like they're dead all the time. And even if you checked like her pulse, I didn't know if she like super passed out. Okay. Or like so she I, just fainted. She did faint earlier in the episode. Judging, yeah, judging right. from the way you guys are talking, I think she's dead. But <laughs> at the end of that episode, I wasn't totally convinced she was dead. Uh, so I've learned she's dead. Look, wait, Eric, what did you think about the fact that her soul was apparently trapped in a wooden drawer? Well, I was going to tell you right now, too. I didn't. I want to hear it. I can't wait. <laughs> I didn't think that happened either. <laughs> I know this is going to sound crazy. This is what I saw last night when I was watching it. I saw her pass out. Harry said she's dead. Coop didn't even respond. So I'm thinking maybe she's not really dead, right? Uh. Then we saw Bob. We saw the little man. And then all we saw was the drawer pull screaming. I didn't make the connection that was Josie at uh, all. No, that's okay. Her, her before it became like a wooden face, it showed like her face. Yeah, her actual face. Yeah, her but. Face in the, in the pole. But I didn't, I, I guess I just didn't make the connection that she was in it. I don't know. <laughs> like, I thought she was just, like, we saw her face and then, I don't know. So now she's trapped in the door pole, I guess. We guess. literally ghostwood. Oh, oh my god. Well, do you think all the trees have spirits in them, maybe? Well, that was one of your theories before. Yeah, so. one of my th- And also the log. Remember, I think the log has Log Lady's husband in it. I would say, so Bob, I actually really love this thing because Bob's saying what happened to Josie, right? Yeah. And I love it when a character's saying something to another character, but they can say the same thing and it makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's saying, yeah, Coop's going, what happened to, Andre- or, what happened to Josie? And we as the viewers are going... No, seriously. No, seriously, what, what happened, happened to, to it? Chicks? Yeah, I don't think I have a really good idea other than Bob spirited her body out and put her in the door pool. Drawer pool. I mean, that's all I can come up with. But yeah, for some reason, I didn't even make that connection that she was in it. And like when you guys were talking, I was like, oh, <laughs> she's in a drawer pool. I don't know. I mean, spirits, you let's know. Hear, let's hear what JR. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna ask Eric. Do you remember when Hawk was talking about facing the Black Lodge? Yeah. If you had imperfect courage, it would totally annihilate your soul. Yeah. So maybe Josie had imperfect courage. Was, it, was, it was like seriously freaking out this whole episode, right? Yeah. Like she's basically constantly having a nervous breakdown. She made a ton of you know imperfect choices and they're all coming on top of her at the same time and she's just very scared she wasn't ready to meet her end if that is what happened (laughs) when she was screaming like could someone if someone looked at that drawer would they see her face coming out of it is that what they're trying to tell us or is it just metaphorical is it text or subtext Yeah. yeah that's the question isn't it I want to hear what um, Jr. has to say about drawer pulls. Yeah. In this in this um, special edition. Are we of... doing? Wait, I yeah, always. No, feel... I, and I don't have any like particular <laughs> I think uh, super overarching theories about this. But Wait, pause. Pause really quick. We JR, gotta do the song. Is it is it Jr. Is it story time? Story with time with Jr. Story, story time, time with Jr. 
Okay, okay go ahead. Thank you. Right, so this this episode was not directed or written by either David Lynch or Mark Frost. Okay. However, both the writer and the director say, I had nothing to do with the drawer pull stuff. Whoa. all David Lynch and Mark Frost. So did he just, they like, put, walk in? They put it in. Uh, here's, this is great. This is... One one uh, one of the writers in the show called up the director and said, "What's the deal with Joni Josie turning into the knob in the nightstand?" And the director said, "I have no idea. That's what it said in the script. So that's what I shot. It makes no sense to me at the time I watched it. Oh. You get those things in scripts, and you just had to shoot them as it was. So I, I find that awesome and hilarious. That like <laughs> they wrote the script for this episode, ready to shoot. Then like David Lynch and Mark Frost, who've been out physically not paying attention to the show, not doing anything <laughs> on it." And suddenly we're like, yeah, we're going to um, put in the scene where Josie turns into a piece of wood. And, <laughs> and it just, it worked. And it's great. And I, 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 this is this is a pivotal, pivotal episode in season two Ooh. because it wraps up, you know, the James and Evelyn story, which, you know, I personally believe is the absolute nadir of Twin Peaks, that <laughs> story. Um and he wraps up all this other stuff, you know, the, a lot of the Packard, Ecker, Josie stuff, and then moves us right back into the heavy, weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Bob is back. You know, yeah. Bob is, whatever happened to Leland, Bob is back. Uh, well, the from another place yeah, is I guess back. so. <laughs> uh, and you've got this, like, amazing mystery. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so basically, like, like Harley Payton, who is one, one of the writers on the show, it, you know, he's, he, his response to the doorknob or the doorpole thing is like, what the F is this? He thought it was like a terribly, it was like a jump the shark moment. It was incredibly stupid. But now, years later, he looks back and I was like, yeah, that was actually awesome. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, Mark Frost says, I think that, I think that was something David and I talked about. And he had the notion that Josie should be lost in another world, but imprisoned in a way, and that it shouldn't be a physical as much as a metaphysical prison. We decided at the end of her arc that we didn't want to do another melodramatic death. We wanted something that had some mythological feel. And the next thing you know, she's in a drawer pool. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool. I remember when I watched the show when it was originally broadcast on ABC, and, you know, noting kind of the lull in the show, this episode got you fired up again. Uh, got me fired up again because we went back to sort of the core the weird stuff. mystery components of the show. And it's also interesting to note that after this episode, the show went on a long hiatus. Oh, did it? Uh, it went on a six-week hiatus after this episode aired. And so it really was kind of this like semi-cliffhanger because now what's going to happen? Holy crap. Like Josie turned into a drawer pull. Bob is back. And so it left all the fans, the super fans like me when I was in eighth grade watching the show. It's probably a little weird, but, um, you know, it really left us waiting for, for the, you know, the incredibly wonderful payoff you get at the end of the season. Uh, and I just, I'm so excited for you, Eric. You get to experience it for the first time. I, I, well, I'm excited because it does sound like f- from, if I can infer from stuff you were saying is that we're kind of moving away from some of like, what are the real world plot points, right? Like um, with James and the hopefully moving away because Josie's dead. That whole Josie triangle <laughs> uh, Christmas light tingle ball that I couldn't understand. Yeah. Um, but well, you know, Josie or Joan Chen wanted to leave the show. 
Oh, did she? Uh, she, she? She wanted to work on some film that was like a total disaster, but she was, I guess, <laughs> really into it. And I would put a pin on what happens to actors' characters when they decide to leave oh. Twin Peaks. Okay. It, it, it's a thing, and it's uh, it's not good for the characters. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We've got our pin put, put in it. Put a pin in We're it. Put our, all of our pins in it. Cool. Um, let's um, do our... Uh, quotable quotations for the episode. JR, did you have a quotable quotation from this episode? I mean, I think I already referenced it, uh, but it's not, it's not so much quotable, but it stuck out for me as something I didn't remember. And that was Norma saying that her sister Annie was like it was like she was from another place in time. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's going to be important later. It, it might probably be. maybe it might who be. knows? It could, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know. Um, you want to go next, Mustess? Um, no, I want you to go. Oh, you want me to go? Yeah. Um, we've kind of mentioned it already, but uh, Ben sat down. He's eating some food. He goes, <clears throat> uh, "You have to excuse me. The uh, chef just tried to stab Jerry. You kids carry on." <laughs> so good. I like that little aside. I thought it was. Yeah, that was awesome. I thought it was really funny. I almost included um, the runners-up was when Ed proposed. I uh-huh. was going to just do that because it was so sweet, you know. But then, you know, Jerry almost got stabbed, so. Uh, I also have a, a Jerry-related um, quote is when um, Ben is, like, big-upping the pine weasel and how we have to save it. And Jerry says, they're incredible roasted. Yes. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, we didn't get the part where he goes off on, like, I didn't specifically e- how to pair it with wine. Yeah, I didn't even anything. realize that they apparently filmed the whole scene like that and no, cut it. <laughs> JR, in the um, fan zine, did they, by any chance, did any angry fans write in and say that actually the weasels are not delicious <laughs> and that the whole show yeah, no, is... No, no, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. The, the show is um, garbage because yeah. they didn't do their research. <laughs> the weasel definitely doesn't taste good. Yeah, Call well, themselves... Actually, well, oh, I like that. Well, actually, according to this, and then you go cite your sources. <laughs> um, my runner-up was uh, when Norma tells Hank yeah. that she'd rather be uh, Big Ed's hoe than than that's a good line. Your way. I, yeah. I, I also thought it was awesome when Big Ed asked uh, if Nadine had actually been with Mike all night. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that was good. That was a good one, too. All Mike's right. just wearing a body cast the next time we see him. He's just got this big smile on his face. His arms are all broken completely. Oh. Um, the time has come for us to crown our MVPs of the episode. segment in which we choose who we thought was the most valuable player of the episode, which character um, we wanted to uh, shine a spotlight on. Who did you choose? Well, I went through a couple different options. Originally, I was thinking it might be Wyndham Earl's trucker hat. Uh, (laughs) Yes! uh, I think, think, though, that the trucker hat is bested by uh, Ben Horn's windbreaker. Oh my god. (laughs) That 
that windbreaker is incredible. Like the wind stands no chance. Uh, that that windbreaker is going to crush the wind. Uh, it's, it's it's like the most like late thing I can. You are so funny, but, Jr. <laughs> but, that, but I, you know, I want to stay. It is the most valuable player. Um, I'm going to go with a little man from another place. Oh, has got some really slinky moves on like a not very stable surface. No, you know he's he's working with an orthopedic shoe. He's you know he's it's a challenge, and he he pulls it off, man. I mean it, it, that is some. Those are some great moves that he had on the bed. So I'm going to call, yeah, Michael J. Anderson, little man from another place, a valuable player. You know, that's a good point about him dancing on the bed. Because I imagine <laughs> that would be really hard, right? The bed's wobbling and all that. When's the last time you guys danced on a bed? Can you remember? I think I was a kid, maybe. You know? Yeah, and, like, and not like a jumpy dance, but more kind of slinky. No, yeah, 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 like a jumping dance. Anyone could pull that off, yeah. right? Exactly. Huh, good for him. And that little smirk on his face, too. He just, you know what it looks like? It looks like he's dancing and he doesn't realize he's being filmed. Like, he's just getting down. <laughs> well, they, they say you should dance like no one's watching. That is and true. I think he embodies that. Dance like the little man. <laughs> uh, who was your MVP, Tess? Do you I... like me going last? I don't know if no, that matters. I can, okay. I can go. Okay. I, can I like go. mixing the lapper. Um, I chose, it was very difficult for me to choose, but I went really? with, I went with Harry. Harry. I went with Harry just because this is a very emotional episode for him. And that scene where he is pointing the gun at the woman he loves and he is screaming at Put her. a gun down! Yeah. I just thought that was a really intense moment. I feel like we've been building towards this for several episodes of, like, Josie's not who she says she is. She's never been, you know, who you think she is. Does she really care about you? Is she using everyone around her? And I think he's finally come to the conclusion that this this relationship is not is unhealthy. And I think he's dealing with it. And now he's I mean, he's definitely going to have to deal with it now. Um, he's going to have to go through a grieving process. And um, I just, I really felt for him in this episode. As much as Coop tries to protect Harry throughout this yeah. episode, he cannot. And I thought it was a very epic episode for Harry S. Truman. Yeah, he he was uh, like a real emotional person, yes. you know? I almost feel like, it's interesting because you're right, it's hard on him, but I almost felt like, I don't know. Like, if I was in the same spot, I guess I would be kind of out of control, too. But he seemed... In fact, in that scene where, where Ben said um, the chef almost stabbed Jerry, yeah. I thought he said the sheriff for a second. Oh. And I believed it. I was like, okay. Well, you know? Yeah, he was heading that direction. Yeah, he was heading in that direction. And he was, I was already like, a loose cannon. Yeah, and I was like, okay, that, that tracks. And I was like, you know, I don't know. This poor guy, you know? Yeah. Who have you chosen as your MVP? Um, This one was a tough one for me because yeah. I didn't feel like anyone... I mean, I don't know, like... I didn't feel like anyone stood out so much. I was going to go right. with Big Ed just because of that awesome proposal. Yes. Um, but I, I've chosen this character as the MVP solely as a wish that he's turned his leaf, uh, turned his leaf, that he's going to make the world a better, greener place, and he's going to save those those weasels, um, uh, Mr. Benhorn. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm glad, even if he didn't really eat that celery. Oh, oh. We lost JR. We lost JR. We lost JR. We're going to call him back. Yeah. Yeah, I'll call him back. <laughs> but that's who my uh, MVP would be. So. Very nice. Huh. I wonder why we Maybe lost him Maybe he was so outraged by your choice. 
<laughs> is he back? No. Well, well, we just realized it now. Um, how much did you miss, my friend? I don't think very much. Like, as soon as it dropped, I got back on. Who is my MVP? I didn't hear it. Oh, it, oh, uh, Tess had a theory that you heard it and you were so outraged that you just hung up on us. <laughs> no, no, no. I no, I was going to say that I picked Ben Horn because he turned his leaf and he's, he's a good man now. Or so, so you heard. Right. Yeah, well, I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't get off intentionally. Oh. <laughs> he didn't slam the phone you know down what? when he heard. You know what? That's what he said. Am I right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Well, let's just move into our final yeah. segment. We need to decide how many fish in a percolator we would give this episode. You'd never guess. There was a fish in the percolator. Okay. JR, did you want to do the honors? How many fish in a percolator would you give this episode, my friend? And this is out of five, scale five fish. Yeah. Out of five fish. Five fish yeah. being the best. Yeah. Yeah, so I am. Um, I, I kind of addressed already the reason I, I would give it four fish okay Ooh. um i don't i don't think it's like a spectacular episode uh but like i said it's a really important pivot because mm-hmm. it ties up these sort of soap opera soap opera e uh plot lines that i think deviated from the essential nature of the show uh and ends really strongly with you know weirdness and mystery uh, so for that reason, I give it four out of five fish. Ooh, four solid fish. Yeah, that's pretty solid yeah. rating. How about I, you, Tess? I went with three out of five fish, um, just because I think I think in the context of season two, this is a pivotal episode, but just watching it, it does spend a lot of time on some of my less favorite plot lines, like the James and Evelyn or the... Josie um, nonsense. <laughs> I kind of wish that we had planned ahead and and we could have sung the the um, the song that you hate so much. What is that song? Just Thank you. you. And Jr. could sing it, and we could do the. Uh-huh. <laughs> the I'm interested. If I go back and rewatch these episodes, I wonder if I'll enjoy them more for a different reason. Yeah. Because you're right. Like if I'm watching it. Like it's, I'm very excited to hear that it's like a pivot for the show, yeah. right? Because I've been enjoying it for the most part, but I get confused by the the super tangly stuff yes. with Josie and all that. Um, I, this is the first time that I had written down a, a fish in a percolator, and then I had changed it based on stuff I learned because I originally gave it two and a half fish in a percolator because it dealt so That's much with fair, yeah, with yeah. all the Josie stuff, which I don't really uh, keep track of that much or really enjoy. And I didn't think it was that exciting of an episode. But then when I found out that Josie was trapped in a drawer pool, I figured that was worth an extra half of a fish. And, I mean, this is a little out of game knowledge. This is going to, you guys are probably going to think, like, is this guy even watching the show? I didn't think Bob was back at the end of this episode. Even though you saw him. I saw him, but I just thought, you know, I don't know, like he's sending a vision or something. But now that I know that Bob's back, that's definitely worth a half a fish. So I would go with three fish. In a percolator. Well, so. I, that's part of the reason I love doing yeah, this yeah. podcast with you is because I look at things in a new light. Like, I try to remember what it was like before I knew everything. <laughs> and, um, like, for instance, uh, I'm kind of more along the lines of J.R. where I think that Wyndham Earl is, like, there's this, like, really superb character. And that when I watch him in this episode or the episode right before this one, yeah, I'm, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like... 
Ooh, yikes, a yeah. noodle. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because I'm sure you guys are probably like, what is this guy thinking? Because it's like, I I honestly didn't make the connection she was trapped in there. I don't know what I thought I was seeing, but in a show where you see visions and, a, you know what I mean, and, and yes. different things happen, I thought I was just seeing a vision of Josie and then the drawer pool was, <laughs> you know, making a thing. I didn't make the connection she was in there, but yeah. I mean, that's cool. You know, that's cool <laughs> Twin Pixie stuff. It you is, know? it is. Yeah. Um, well, this has been a very special episode. We want to thank JR so much. Thank oh. you, JR. Thank you, thank JR. You I mean, thank you for help. I got to relive you know, the nostalgia of, you know, I'm an, old, I'm an old person. So just imagine in 1991 watching this show on network broadcast television <laughs> where someone uh, apparently turns into a wooden drawer, drawer pole. I mean, it was, I cannot emphasize enough how amazing and cool that was and yeah thank you guys so much for having me i'd love to come back yeah awesome for the finale of season two please ask me back for the finale of season two okay oh okay is that it is that a a date season finale of season two we've got a date where you'll you'll come back on with us does that sound good i would i would love to come back you you are such a cool guy jr Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I really appreciate it because, like I said, I'm in an interesting spot where I'm really into this show, but due to the nature of the podcast, I can't, like, get into it. Like, you know, so it's kind of really fun to kind of just be, like, on the edges of it. And, like, I'm trying to, as close to as I can, um, replicate, like, viewing it as as you would have originally, you know? Right. It would have been really... That's what's cool about rapping podcasts is that it is actually recorded from the same perspective because we had not seen any future episodes because oh. we were recording, you know, except for like the first four, which kind of came out at the same time. Yeah. We we were recording just based on what we knew about the episode we had just watched. Oh, that's um, cool. And they have some yeah. epic theories. Yeah. Yeah. The, some of their theories I like better than the actual quote unquote explanations yeah. that were provided by the television show. So <laughs> you'll enjoy listening to it when you get to that point. Very cool. So thank you so much, JR. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Chris. We haven't done a shout out to Chris. Yeah, I know. I feel shout bad. out to Chris. Hey, Chris. Thanks. And thanks for, I don't, did we mention the meme that he had made of us drinking the sexual mug? Um, there's an amazing uh, image yeah. that Chris put together. Some fan art of us drinking from the mug. If you haven't seen the mug, it's on our Twitter page at same team, y'all. It was damn mug. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you like to send us an email email uh, anything that you've got to uh, contribute about uh, Twin Peaks Tessa's manning the email so you don't have to worry about the spoiler dove attacking me and that email is samepeaksyall at gmail.com very nice and guys uh, as always this coffee woo, it's blazing hot you want to give us a hot coffee JR a hot coffee yeah. yeah just say just talk about how hot that coffee is how hot's that coffee <laughs> I'm saying it has this thing in the 48 hour brew. <laughs> oh, oh. That's real hot. That is hot. Well, thanks so much, JR. We really appreciate it, okay? Well, thank you. Yeah. It's really been my pleasure. Yep. <laughs>